For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth, he, he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted beneath her spirits, like a wife of youth who is who has been cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I regarded you. In the overflowing anger for a moment, in overflowing anger for a moment, I put my face on you. But with everlasting love will I have compassion on you, says the Lord of the people. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I saw that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, I will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Afflicted ones, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antimony, and your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of agate, your gates of chemicals, and all your wall of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for we shall not come near you. If anyone stares at strife, it is not from you. Whoever stares at strife with you shall fall because of you. Behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the vindication is from me, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the word. So this, this is a song uh, uh, from the book of Isaiah that was written for uh, the people of God at a time when they were in exile. And when things look, look completely hopeless, and all the promises of God uh, to His people, which have seemed completely impossible, here they were. They were enslaved. They were cast out of their homes. They were indebted, um, depressed, and what's the third one here? Discouraged. Anyone ever felt discouraged here? Anyone know what discouragement means? Yeah. Um, I know all three definitely have. Traveled through those three phases at one point or another. And I was very thankful that you know we you know made a point to pray about that before we started because many times when you come in on a Sunday, you don't know what each person is struggling with. And everyone has an area of their life that is not as we would like it to be. For each and every one of us, there is something that we are groaning inside, but waiting for God to fulfill. Where is the fulfillment of that promise, God? I can see God at work in this area of my life, and I can see him at work in that area, but there's this, this one or two areas, you know, be it my family, the work of my hands, my work as a Christian, you know, there's, there's just this one place that just seems so barren, and I've planted so many prayers, and just seems like there's nothing uh, coming out of this. And many times I look into that area and it looks like this is just impossible. I 
you know, I know God is gracious, and I know that He has good intentions towards me, and His plans for me are good, but I just do not see how He's going to bring life out of this wilderness in my life. I've definitely uh, walked in, in those spaces and still wait on God to see the fulfillment of His promise. So, what Isaiah 54 uh, speaks to, to my heart is that, you know, God wants to meet with us. God wants to meet with us in that place um, of barrenness. Um, he wants to cause his word to be manifested. He has a promise of fruitfulness in that place of barrenness in our lives. And he wants us to meet with him, you know, by coming into that place with rejoicing. You know, barrenness and singing don't go together. You, just, you don't say to somebody you'd be lacking in something, well, come and sing about it. You know, and in the times when God has visited them in the areas where I've struggled in, and he says, sing, you know, you bury women. I say, I don't feel like singing. That's the last thing. I feel like it. I feel like crying. Um, I feel like weeping. I feel like, you know, why me, God? Why do I have to suffer this in this area? The barren woman, by the way, as you know from reading the Bible, is just about the lowest state a person could be. You know, in ancient Israel and in many cultures today, even the culture where I grew up, to be barren remains to be at the lowest rung of the ladder. I mean, I grew up in a culture where it actually doesn't matter what you are. Not bear children. It's like you can be the president of a country, and if you don't bear children, well, that's it. I mean, you've got nothing, you know, to talk about. It's like that's the most basic requirement in life is to reproduce, you know, produce something. And if you cannot do that, well, it doesn't matter what else you've done. And for a woman in Israel, that's what it would have felt like. It would have felt if she couldn't bear children, it would have felt like. And it really touches me that God chose that picture as the person to visit. God chose the person who's considered to be at the lowest level of society to say, actually, I don't think you can. You know, why is that the same? You know, I have a promise to you. You know, there are a few people who choose not to have children, but for the majority of people, it is a natural, biological, instinctive desire to reproduce. And if for some reason that doesn't happen, there is a sorrow. You know, the Bible says that the barren woman never saw And there is a sorrow that comes to that. But what is amazing to me in the Bible is that whenever God had us, whenever He wanted to produce something new, Whenever he wanted to bring forth a specific promise, he would go to a barren woman. So Sarah went through barrenness to produce Isaac. And Hannah went through barrenness to produce Samuel. Samson's mother was a barren woman until God visited her and gave her a child. John the Baptist came through barrenness. So for some particular reason, that state of barrenness 
is something that God uses to bring forth a specific commitment. And I say this to encourage each and every one of us to look at that place, that place that seems empty and unfulfilled and, and just continuously crying out for God's promises to be fulfilled. Look at that place and and respond to God the same way the widow of Zarephath responded when she had nothing left. And Elijah said, Well, go get your empty jars. Bring the empty jars. God delights to use the areas of emptiness in our lives. Now, um, from the point of view of the world, um, barrenness comes with shame and disgrace and humiliation. Um, and that is why God specifically refers to shame, disgrace, and humiliation. You will not be humiliated. You will not be ashamed. I will take your humiliation away. All the reproach you have suffered, I will reverse. And boy, does the enemy put us through reproach for one reason or another. He can find that one thing that he can use to bring great reproach to the people of God. And God says, even when the enemy can point to it being your fault, even if he can point to something in your life and say, you know, the reason why you've got this is because you did that or because you didn't do that, or you know, you're in debt because of bad decisions. You know, you're depressed because of you know whatever you need to get yourself there. And you know, you're discouraged because you just don't have enough faith. The enemy knows a thousand ways to bring reproach to the people of God. And yet God is saying, I will take away the reproach. I will take away that shame. I will take away that humiliation if you give me that bias. So I'm learning to rejoice in the empty jars that I have. Collect the empty jars and to wait on God uh, to fill those jars. Because after all, if you look at the beginning of the world in Genesis, it says the world was dark, it was empty, it was without form. And then God said, All He did was He just spoke. He spoke into a dark, formless, empty world, and the universe that we live in came into existence. It didn't come into existence because it had, you know, qualified itself to come into existence. We didn't come into existence because we filled out some application form to the Department of Heaven to say, you know, my name's Paula, I deserve to live, I deserve to be born at this time. God, in his sovereignty, just decided, actually, you know, I, I, I want your life, and, and I want it to be mine. So I'm going to create you for some time as this. And I'm going to give you a name, and I and I have a role for you to play in my kingdom. That came just from God's word, just by His command. And so we trust that God is speaking to the empty places in our life. You know, a couple of weeks ago, when Ryan had shared, he, he touched on a, a topic that is that is massive today, and that's the issue of identity. There's a lot of confusion out there in the world. There's confusion even among God's people. You know, 
everybody wants to fit into something, to fit into something that's accepted by the world. And, and in doing so, you know, if we focus on what the world defines as being acceptable, what then happens is we move away from our identity in God. And the only identity that matters, I think Brian said this, is the one given to us by God. That's my real identity. So the world may look at me and go, well, you are a failure, you have, a, you have accomplished so and so, you don't have this, and therefore you don't qualify for that. But in God's eyes, he looks at us and he sees something, someone different. And that's the identity he wants us to give him. So God calls, you know, God calls the valuable fruitful because from a spiritual perspective and his perspective, he is fruitful. He has plans for that person and that area of barrenness. God calls you know, Neil preached to us about Gideon a few weeks ago, and I was so encouraged by that. God called Gideon uh, a man of mighty valor. He didn't look like it, and he certainly didn't feel like it, and he definitely didn't have the tools of a warrior. What was it he got? Like, what was it he got given? A loaf of bread? A, some, a vision about a loaf of bread was one that predicted his victory. I remember you were saying, what's the look of bread got to do with anything? Eroding. Okay, that's, that's what led to his victory for Gideon. You know, so when God called Gideon, Gideon was who? Me? A mighty man of power? You see me as someone to lead your people out of slavery and fear into freedom. Oh, God said, that's who you are. You know, so God calls every single one of us. We, it's it's going to be something that completely contradicts who we are today, or what we look like, or what we sound like, or what we have. But he says, from his perspective, this is who you are. And he's calling us to walk in that identity. And that goes for, for us as a church. You know, we live in an age where we're constantly being told how insignificant how powerless and how out of date and how we need to update our belief system so that we are in step with the world. That's not what God says. That's not what he says about his church. That's not what he says about his word. He's the same person yesterday, today, and forever. He never needs to upgrade anything because he's eternal. Um, so it's, it's us that needs to remind ourselves who he is. And so God is the one who calls things. Romans 4.17. Um, just go to Romans 4.17. It says, he is the God who calls the things that are not as if they are. It doesn't have to match what we see as reality. He simply calls things that are not as if they are. I'm going to read the message version of Romans 4.17. I think it's different from the version we have seen. And this is what it says in the message version. We call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, 
But because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with a word, make something out of nothing. When everything was so hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw, but what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he could do. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. So God is calling us to walk in our true identity. He's calling us to believe in his word and to act on it. He doesn't just tell the barren woman to sing. He commands her to prepare room for her children. Are we preparing for the manifestation of God's promises, despite our realities not matching up to what he says? Because that's what he's calling us to do. I want you to sing. The church may look dry, may look like we've been dismissed, but he's saying, I want you to expand. I want you to prepare. We have lots of children. Who are coming in? They're coming in from the north and from the south, and I want you to prepare room in your hearts. I want you to prepare room in your homes. I want you to prepare rooms in your church because you are going to bear much fruit, regardless of what the world says. <coughs> so I am totally um, expect expectant to see what God is going to do, especially in our generation. And when we look at what's happening in the world today, there's lots of legislation out there uh, that's calling for, that's really actually trying to legislate God out of society and out of our lives. Every week is something new. Um, we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't say this, we can't say that. There are people being prosecuted now in Europe. Um, there was an MP that was prosecuted um, recently for sharing a scripture from the Bible that you never have thought that could happen um, in a continent that has had Christianity for 2,000 years. But that's the age that we live in. But yet, um, when I go to the scripture, I see, I see God doing something different. Now, when we look at this um, Isaiah 54, in the New Testament, um, that's in Galatians, Galatians 4, 27-29. It says, for it is written, this is Apostle Paul speaking to those present-day Christians. Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Right? So, here, the, uh, Paul is comparing uh, the children of the flesh to the children of the spirit. And we are told in the Bible that, in the, even in the New Testament, that we can expect that these two groups of people are always going to be in conflict. That the children of the flesh are always going to persecute the children of the spirit. You know, so. Um, when Natalie preached last week, she, you know, she talked a lot about the manifestation of the things of the flesh versus the things of the spirit. 
And God is always looking uh, to, to put flesh to death by his word. So through our lives, we are, we are an attack to those who do not choose to follow the word of God. So when we choose to stand on the word of God, we can expect opposition. The things that are happening today are not, they're not new. You know, they're not even as bad as what happened for, for persons and Christians, or lots of other Christians that have come before us. Um, but in Isaiah 54, God gives us an eternal promise for peace. He reminds us, he says, you know, I am the one that creates, you know, the, 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 the smith that creates the weapon. No weapon fashioned against you will prosper. So no weapon fashioned against God's people, no matter how terrible it looks, will prosper. No tongue that rises up against us will hold its place. We can defeat it. And I can tell you this from my own personal experience as a Christian, you know, who's, you know, how to contend with others who disagree. Not deliberately, you know, not to go looking for a fight, but, you know, when it comes, you know, you do have to choose at least let the people know what you stand for. You know, and they are, when people oppose the word of God, they are, they are walking in line with what the Bible says about the flesh, opposing things of the spirit. Um, but, God promises us that we will prevail, that nothing that is spoken against the church will stand. None of the things, none of the accusations, including the ones uh, that may have been earned by, by certain people, none of them will eventually stand against the truth because the word of God is that he will cover his people, he will heal us, he will fill our barren places, and he will fill our energized. So I just want to encourage you this morning uh, to bring your empty bars, you know, bring your bring broken hearts. He loves, he loves, he loves to make broken hearts. You know, bring the regrets, um, bring the thing, bring the things that you're still waiting on God for. Um, I, I will give myself as an example in closing. You know, um, many years ago, you know, I was waiting on the Lord. As a Christian, as a single Christian, I was waiting on the Lord and married. Um, and I met someone in church that seemed like they were an answer uh, to that prayer. But um, a couple of years after getting married, this person decided to didn't actually want to celebrate anymore. And they walked out of church, they walked out of the marriage, and they were gone. Now, for me, that was a huge shock because I guess somewhere in my mind I thought,
And so this, I have to fight for my faith. I have to fight to get back to that place of saying, I, I pray with God, I believe you, and I trust you. But it became an area of darkness for me. You know, it just became an area where I thought, I could never recover from this. I'm so brokenhearted. I'm so disappointed. I, I don't know that I could ever trust the Lord. I remember hearing his testimony about the dad that time. You know, feeling hopeless. He just walked in, you know, one Friday night into a bad place. Um, and uh, to the fifth day, you know, started jovial <laughs> and shared the story of, of his life. And I remember then I just had a little kind of bit, just a little bit. I thought, well, that's a good story. Um, but I'm still where I am. I'm in this pit. Don't know how I'm going to get out of it. And throughout that time, God would come back to me and I would say, Same, same. And I'm not saying that, you know. But I will obey, you know, I will sing. Sometimes I came to church and all I could manage to do was sit in a corner and just listen to other people sing. But slowly, God started to fill that hole and and bring me out and restore my faith. Not that I have all the answers to the questions that came out of that experience, but I did get to a place where I could leave it with God and start to trust that even in that place of brokenness and disappointment, that He would make something out of it, that He would create something beautiful out of it. Um, lockdown, uh, it, it, COVID-19 was a, was a tough one. I lived on, on my own, so to not be able to contact anyone and be home by yourself for a very long time. But God spoke to me again into lockdown and he said, you know, um, I need you to travel somewhere. That's just not a good time to travel, you know. COVID-19 passed and, you know, this virus is waving all over the world, but I, I decided to go anyway. Um, couldn't make any sense at all, but I went. And on that trip, that's when I met the man that we were just got to And what what's interesting to me is that he had walked a similar way. One of the questions I always have is, okay, God, even if I get to come to again and make this journey with somebody else, how could I? They would never understand what happened experienced so much and how do I get to trust him again? And it's amazing to me that he had walked exactly the same journey, so much so that we didn't even have to explain what the journey was, we didn't have to explain to each other. We just we'd had the same questions for God, we had the same experience. So I share that to say that it doesn't matter what the I mean it matters to God what our losses are and our regrets and our disappointments. It is a jar that God can use to bring new life and new hope and to do new things. And I really feel in my heart that that's what God is about to do. He wants to do new things. He wants to bring new life. He wants to, he wants to touch those impossible places, the places where we've had the most disappointment and the empty places, and restore, you know, Isaiah 
towards a song of inspiration, it's a song of reflection. It's not saying, yes, I need to do all these terrible things and the cost of value. We had the worst thing happen. You're still waiting on me to answer a prayer and you don't see any hope of any answer coming. And God is saying, bring this into reference. I have something to give to you. He has something to give in and through the church today. He, he have, we, we have to um, sort of walk in faith, knowing that no matter how weak we feel, or how empty we feel, or how incapable we feel, it's not about us. It's about him. I see Sarah smiling at the on my on my right side, and you know, it is just amazing to see Sarah sitting there smiling. You know, just two weeks ago, you must have felt like she's the end of the world. You know, um, just you know, for those who don't know, Sarah, you know, was not, you know, was taken ill, and it seemed quite serious, and it seemed quite difficult and impossible. And I remember a group of us being that day with Sarah, and and she was sharing, you know, her despair, and we're like, no, Sarah, it's going to be okay. You know, God is going to be okay. And it seemed like we were talking, you know, rubbish. You know, but he was, he was full of all these concerns and fears, and she had this diagnosis that, you know, was proclaiming doom and gloom, and there we were, going, Sarah, it's going to be okay, you know, God is going to take care of it. Sarah's like, no, it's not, okay. But here she is, you know, smiling, and so many people in here can share testimonies on places where God has brought us through hopeless, bad, empty places, impossible places, and yet, after that ugly thing, So I'm going to pray for all of us today that in every area where we are waiting on him, that place that's still empty, the ugly places, the places where the enemy has brought reproach into our lives, that God is going to do something new and something beautiful. And that in this church, God is going to bring forth something beautiful. Holding Building Church has been through, you know, the last few years have not been easy. Um, Pandemic definitely has given out. There's been a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, changes, but God is bringing us through to a place of real beauty and new life. So I'm going to uh, actually I'm going to ask you kind of share that question if you don't mind me. <laughs> I was going to ask you to stay and pray with me as well. Okay, so. sure. I'm full of bad jokes today, so forgive me for this one, but I was just reminded that today is the 1st of May. In a few days' time, we will be saying it's Star Wars Day, and may the 4th be with you. And I want to say this morning, may the 1st be with you. May the 1st be with you. I want to pray for us this morning that we would be increasingly hungry for God to be at work in us. May the first be with you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you fill empty jars. You desire to bring hope where there is none. I was reminded of, because I was thinking of thirst, I was reminded of Jesus talking to the woman at the well in John 4. 
how he said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I wonder if you could be ready to, to lead us in worship in a moment. I want to encourage you, if, if you feel, this is to you as well, Father, that's why I wanted you to stand. If you feel God laying anything on your heart, prophetic word and encouragement for us, we were, we were praying before the service this morning, and Jim specifically asked that prophetic words, that words of knowledge, that words of wisdom would come and would lead us. George was praying that people would take a new direction in their lives today. Jesus isn't asking anything of you this morning. In fact, he says to you, if you knew who it was that asked you for a drink, I'll give you water to spring up to eternal life. I think this is just something that's coming in front of the world. And it's just coming and saying, um, you that are there the water that I need, can you trust me? Can you trust me? And that's all. Can you trust me? We, we, please do come. Yeah. We're in no hurry. We'll see in a moment. But let's just wait on God. Share something if it comes to your heart. So, um, I didn't raise my hand earlier when Neil said about the text, blessed and discouraged. Because, not that I felt, I don't feel it. However, when you were praying, it kind of sounded like, okay, maybe there's, a, there's an element of discouragement that I probably felt. And I think it came kind of tied in when Oregon um, said about our identity and that the identity God's given us. Because, after David, before Robin, I kind of like, hmm, I'm not really happy. What's, what's my purpose? What am, I, what am I here for? And then I tried all these different things to try and create my identity. I was like almost trying to create my identity. Kind of, I think because I'm creating, you don't have to find yourself, you're trying to create yourself. Um, so I decided I'm going to create myself, and I have created some bad creations. Like, it's not, like they're, not, they're not good. Um, that's where the start came. Um, and then, as Paula was speaking, I kind of thought, the other day I like cooking, and I like doing new experiments and new foods. And I'm walking to the shop with my kids, and my kids ask a lot of questions. I'm like, what do you think about this? There are things that they really not Mom, what's that? Can you see? What do you need to do? Can you see? What can I see? And as Paula spoke, it was almost like, to me, God saying, I didn't make you or create you and then find a purpose for you. I had a recipe in my head. I knew what I needed. So when I'm walking to shop with my kids and I pick that odd ingredient up that they've never seen before, they they know they don't know it, they don't know what's going on, what it needs to be, what it smells to be. However, when they have the finished product, they go, Oh, that tastes really different. Like, what was that? That little thing you saw me pick up. God's created me with that purpose in mind. And I think this is the first time I've actually realized that I'm not here to create my purpose, but I'm just here to fulfill that purpose. 
not do anything with them, you're asking God to curse them off, which means you just want to spoil your life like a bugger. Um, it's relaxing, letting go and following the flow no matter where it takes you, and just believing that I am going to get there. And you know, my identity has already been, my purpose has already been realized. It's, it's there for me to allow it to take me where it's going. So I said to you, you know, pray and be encouraged. I didn't put my hand up, however, the prayer was for me, and I feel encouraged. So I've just come to that. jars we feel we would like you to fill. I thank you that you are ready to fill them. I thank you that, uh, that you love us, you care for us, you want to take us deeper into you. I thank you, Lord, for, for that encouragement from Caleb that we are made for a purpose, that there are things that you are wanting to do in us. And Lord, we just Surrender ourselves to you again and ask you to have your way with us. And Lord, for the, the word from Ilana, Lord, there is, we don't want there to be anything routine or habitual about the way that we just come to church on a Sunday morning. It's a great habit, but Lord, as Ilana has encouraged us, Lord, we want to remember that we are coming to worship the living God, that you have got gifts for your children that we can encourage one another as your people, that you would choose to use us to encourage one another. We just think that's so special. And we get to worship you, and that is so special. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill us. Lord, I thank you that you are with us as we go. Lord, that you will continue to speak to us and encourage us. But Father, right now, we're going we're gonna to worship you again. Thank you, Lord. 
Sorry, I'm just going to steal the microphone for a minute and, and share something. Um, I wasn't sure whether to um, whether Paul said some stuff in, in the sermon that was sort of final, so I thought that, that might be God's saying he should do that. Um, so um, yesterday I was just uh, feeling a bit rubbish, basically, um, just feeling bad about a lot of stuff and feeling just uncapable. Um, and then I sort of just put it aside and get going and I went to do some revision and I was listening to the songs for today and then I sort of finished them and then another song came on and played and it's a, a song that I really love and I discovered it a few weeks ago and then I, I know the words, I just started singing along and I sort of was doing what well, I said and started singing along and then I suddenly had this moment of realisation that I realised what I was singing and I just started to cry because all the words were just like a checklist of what I was feeling um, and it was just, it was like, like I'd like just written into the song everything that I was feeling right then which um, was pretty amazing and I'm going to try and sing it right now and cry so that's not going to work. <laughs> It's a, it's a song that is very encouraging to me, so hopefully encouraging to you as well. Bye. 
It's time. 